This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Despite an ongoing financial crisis that has spared few industries and countries, participants in the recent Knowledge at Wharton Real Estate in Emerging Markets Forum focused on the opportunities that still exist in underserved markets for those who know where to look. Panelists and guest speakers at the forum, organized in collaboration with Interconnect Events, included global real estate developers, investors, finance specialists, and top-level executives in the industry. Their overall message, as stated by one participant, no one is safe today, but on a relative basis, the emerging markets are better positioned. In this special report, Knowledge at Wharton asked several forum participants about their experience with and views on emerging markets. Our next guest is Colin Dyer, President and CEO of Jones Lang LaSalle. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today. Pleasure. Uh, The question on everyone's mind these days is obviously the world financial crisis and the impact on real estate. Uh, Could you tell me a little bit about how you see the impact uh, on on the U.S. market and also in emerging markets? Well, the the real estate markets worldwide, um, up until about the middle of 2007, uh, were remarkably aligned or synchronized in the sense that... um, Almost everywhere, rental rates were rising. Um, uh, Vacancy rates were very low. The fundamental supply-demand situation was healthy. There had not been um, a huge burst of development and construction, um, as we'd seen in previous cycles. Again, I generalize. But we saw that picture worldwide in in the leasing markets, in the rental markets. And in the capital or investment sales markets, same picture. Um, lots of money had flowed into real estate, and really returns were at historical low levels, and we saw a remarkable degree of alignment of cap rates or, or yields around the world. Um, in the middle of 2007, the initial um, phases of the liquidity crisis, which started, of course, in the U.S., very rapidly spread to Europe, and within six months, they'd hit Asia. So by the end of 2007, we had a situation where the uh, confidence and liquidity from uh, lending institutions coming into real estate market had ebbed away and we saw rates of decline in the volume of transactions and in pricing. Where we are now in those investment sales markets are that transactions are probably down 50 to 60 percent from their peak levels in volume terms, dollars transacted. And pricing is down between 20 and 30, and even more in some areas, percent from peaks. And as a result, rates of return from real estates have risen. Um, and where that leaves the world of investment sales is um, it's become very liquid. There is, because of the price drops, a big gap between the bid and the ask prices on the few transactions that, that are in the market and taking place. And we see very low levels of, of current transactions. <clears throat> looking forward, by the way, that again is showing remarkable alignment around the world in terms of the drops in pricing and the um, and the levels of transactions. Do you see some markets? I mean, since Jones Lang LaSalle has global operations, you um, you, you probably have a, an inside view of a lot of different markets. Uh, which markets do you find are most vulnerable, and which ones are relatively strong? 
Well, we're in 60 countries around the world with our advisory work, and we run around $55 billion of funds for um, institutions or in commingled funds, uh, again, uh, invested around the world. So we have a pretty good picture of what's going on worldwide. Um, the bad news is there are really no markets that are in good shape at the moment. This, this absence of uh, liquidity means that it's very hard for buyers to assemble the necessary financing to transact, um, to, to, buy and to, to buy real estate. And um, even if they are prepared to uh, finance a purchase themselves on an all-equity basis, and there are sovereign wealth funds, there are government funds um, from, uh, from oil countries, there are insurance institutions and other institutions who are prepared to invest on an all-equity basis. Um, nevertheless, they have, <clears throat> even if they have the funds, um, very um, little visibility of pricing because the level of transactions has become so comparatively low that it's really difficult for, for, for investors to know what real pricing uh, levels should be in any particular market. So we have this worldwide picture. Now, the interesting <coughs> news and the potential opportunity in all of this is that whether you're intent on investing in New York, Paris, or, or Mumbai, there are immense opportunities emerging from um, for purchasing assets or portfolios of assets or even buying into listed vehicles such as REITs um, in the various countries around the world where they're traded. There are enormous opportunities coming up for buying assets at historically low levels at very attractive rates of return. And in the course of 2009, we expect to see this, um, you might call it distress market, open up and become much more liquid. Now, is it your sense that uh, values have hit bottom and, and so the buying opportunities and opportunities exist right now or might they become more attractive in the future? Uh, it's very hard to call the bottom of a market. Uh, the <clears throat> and, and you can argue that it's actually not that important to hit exactly the bottom. The important thing is that if you are a fund or a, a private in individual um, or a sovereign wealth fund, uh, if you see assets which are available at prices which meet your long-term return requirements, this is an excellent market in which to be doing it. The more so because there's comparatively little competition for assets which are for sale, and so buyers can take their time. Um, there's n not a lot of competing bids to be concerned about. Uh, I wouldn't say they can dictate terms, but obviously they have a lot of le leverage in the negotiation. And we're seeing situations, indeed our own funds, um, have started to buy in the London market where prices have declined for slightly longer and actually dropped slightly faster than many other um, markets simply because it started to decline six months prior to the rest of the world liquidity crisis hitting. And at yields or cap rates of between 8 and 9%, um, we're seeing very attractive, very high-quality assets at prices which are perhaps available only once in a generation. And, and our funds, and we see other investors doing the same thing, are taking the opportunity to buy in with comparatively little, little competition. Now, maybe prices fall another 5%, another 10%. Does it really matter when the horizon for the investment is, is five years or more, and, and, the, and, and that will be recouped over that period of time? Now, could you give any examples of attractive assets that, that, that uh, 
uh, have gone through such deals and uh, assuming one did find some attractive assets to acquire given the state of the liquidity situation where would the capital come from to finance these deals well, the capital <clears throat> is is available i mentioned so a couple of sources um, oil fueled um, sovereign wealth funds um, pension funds with a constant inflow of, of money which they have to allocate and indeed very many of the funds such as our own which were raised for investment in real estate during 2006 and 2007 but which the fund managers never got round to investing or didn't do so fast enough or didn't find pricing attractive and a lot of that money is still available it's waiting and it's ready to be invested and so paradoxically some of these funds which might have been um, aimed at investing in, in core assets and now have turned into opportunity funds because they'll be able to take advantage of, of, of the, the sorts of situations that I've been describing. There are examples, not a huge number, but there are examples in all countries, in all asset classes, where one finds sellers who are sufficiently motivated, and that means under sufficient pressure just at the moment, to have to sell. Um, and so buyers with with funds. Um, we, we are working with buyers with funds um, and seek, seeking out those, those sorts of opportunities. But they are available internationally and they're available across all asset classes. And there are beginning to be a significant number of motivated sellers out there and that's, that's good news. Why are they motivated? Pressure financing, cash flow issues, uh, development projects that can't be completed for reasons of, of an absence of, um, of continued funding all sorts of reasons for that happening, but it's beginning to, those, those opportunities are beginning to, to crystallize now. And we think in the course of 2009-10, there, there will be some excellent investment opportunities. Now, just so turning to the occupier side, um, we are working with our corporate clients um, who largely lease real estate for their own use. We're working with them to examine their space needs, often renegotiate, reassemble leases, uh, change the terms so that they can um, they can uh, get a longer term on a, on a lease to secure their space for a longer period of time. And we're finding those sorts of dialogues um, with landlords are very um, productive and, and, and landlords are very open to those sorts of dialogues at this time. Uh, Given what you said about the state of the markets and the opportunities, uh, how how do you see Jones Lang LaSalle's strategy going forward for the next 18 to 24 months? Well, our <clears throat> job is to service our clients' needs. And as our clients' needs change, we, of course, um, adjust the emphasis of, of our business model. So just currently, our activity in capital markets, investment sales, um, has fallen significantly. And we um, up to the third quarter numbers which you've announced, it's of the order of 50-60% down on prior years worldwide. On the other hand, our work with uh, advising investors and corporations on their real estate needs is up significantly. Um, we've taken significant market share in the leasing market, both for acting both for owners and users of space. Um, but the biggest boom we're seeing is in the outsourcing by companies of their real estate management needs, be it fitting out, be it managing the space, um, be it um, renegotiating lease contracts around the space that they're using. Why are corporations doing that? Well, it's, um, it's similar to the trend you see in IT outsourcing. Um, it's putting out their real estate servicing needs to specialist providers who can 
do it more efficiently and therefore lower cost. And in this particular period of the economic cycle where companies are out to save money, that's obviously an attractive prospect and, and professionals such as ourselves are, are seeing uh, a good growth in, in real estate outsourcing by companies. So we are seeing adjustments in the emphasis of our business mix and we are responding to that by staffing up in some areas and staffing down in others and where we can we're transferring people between departments uh, to, uh, to meet clients' needs. Colin Dyer, thank you so much for speaking with us today. A pleasure. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.